Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Starbucks. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we got Jim Rosati on Pittsburgh Baseball Now. Let's put that in there. It's, this is all new for me again. Uh, but hi, good morning, Jim. And how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm a little sleepy. I, I, got, I got home last night real, real late. But yeah, I'm here. I woke up. We look that's, very sleepy. That's the, but... that's the first step. I haven't had my coffee yet. It's here. So I feel like throughout the course of the show, I'll get a little bit better. There you go. For the sake of the viewership, let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, for me also. I got to tell you, I do feel actually awake right now. And so a little behind, you know, peek behind the curtains, as I'm sure actually some people already know. This is like try number three. Just in this week for doing the show, we tried Monday. We tried yesterday. Now we're doing it today, and Monday we both slept through. So I don't want. Uh, listen, you're not you're not losing out on all half the blame here. You right. slept in on Monday. I slept in on Monday. We we both slept in on Monday, but you slept in longer. Let's just get I slept that in the longest. That is true. <laughs> and then and then yesterday, I was on Central Time yesterday. So you know your seven. You know I didn't even think about that. Was my six a.m. and I just wasn't feeling it. I was up, and you weren't. <laughs> that is true. Now, I did eventually but, wake up. It was a, like seven twenty-two. I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, like I texted as soon as you, you or you respond. I just went back to sleep. Well, in my ways, yesterday at seven twenty-two, when I said, "Are you up?" and you didn't respond, that's when I went back to sleep too. I Damn. gave you like thirty seconds. I was like, "Okay, he's sleeping. I'm gonna go back to sleep." So here we are, part three. Now, I got to tell you something. That trick that I said last night that I did, I use, and again, I don't know why I slept through alarms. I wake up every other day with alarms, but I used different alarms today, different sounds, and it worked because I heard this crazy-ass sound I'd ever heard before this, this morning, and it woke me mm. way up. So here I am. So I'm going to start doing that trick now, different sounds for your alarms. So my, uh, my wife wakes up every day at like, 5:30. She's a super early riser, right? I don't know how she does it. Um <clears throat> so she wakes up. I I don't even realize when she wakes up. I just get up and you know, she's awake. She gets up so early though that the dogs just like think it's still nighttime. So <laughs> the dogs don't like leave or do anything. They're still in the room. Um they don't wake up until I wake up. And then when I wake up, they start going crazy. They want to be let out. They want to get fed. So you have to do all that. I have to do all that stuff because, and they also don't let me sleep in. So like the snooze, I can't hit snooze with the dogs because once they hear my alarm, they're like trained, like my alarm means food, means breakfast and go outside. 
so they just bug the hell out of me until you know i do it so it's the andrew padlow effect it's exactly kevin padlow kevin padlow <laughs> whatever his name is <laughs> so so um speaking of that there were what a total of 68 pirates used this year correct according to alex stump's quiz yeah, so alex did his quiz on sporkle if you haven't checked it out check it out see if you can name all 68 pirates that were used did you do did you do the quiz yesterday i did not um, okay. And then I also assume that both names have to be correct then. So you can't put in like a Kevin Padlow. <laughs> well, you could just put in Padlow. <laughs> okay. So like last names work. Right? Okay. That's good. Um, because then I would definitely not get 68. <laughs> so I was in the, uh, I was in the Tulsa, Oklahoma airport doing, doing Alex Stump's uh, Sporkle mm. yesterday. And, uh, and I got 55. Like I thought that was pretty good, especially with how many just, no name bullpen arms. The weird thing is like the weird no name position players. I I've remembered them for the most part, like the Jose Godoy's and the Yu Chang's and the I don't know who else there was, but like I, I got most of those guys. Um, the pitchers, the relief pitchers, is what got me. But you know who I forgot? I forgot Michael Chavis. Oh my god! You of all people. <laughs> Like <laughs> how much we talked about Michael Chavis in the last like week or two. I forgot Michael Chavis. I forgot Cole Tucker. That was another like big name that, that, I, I, see. that I forgot. So I was, I like completely forgot Cole Tucker was even like, even a part of this team in 2022. So no, it was fun. So I recommend doing it. Alex has it posted on his Twitter from yesterday. So go check it out. See, see how you can do 68 pirates used this year. Franchise record. See how many of the 68 you can name. So, so bad. So, so bad. And if you name 68 of them, that's not an accomplishment. I'm not no, happy no, for you. No. If you name all I, 68, you need checked into some sort of institution. Absolutely. <laughs> Get help. But anyways, Jim, today is the first season. I'm sorry, the first day of the offseason. And listen, I understand it is not the first day of the MLB offseason. It's not. But it's the first day of NS9 offseason, and I'm in offseason mode, and I'm excited, and I'm happy because we get to look toward the future. Mm-hmm. But before we do so, we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the Pirates' prospects today. Now, it's not the Major League talent, which was really bad, and not that the prospects <clears throat> was all positive and, and sunshine and roses, right? But at least that's part of the future. That's, that's hope there. Um, we're going to talk prospects today. So, I guess as we're saying this, how do you want to do this? What do you want to start off with? Uh, um, I don't know, we didn't really prepare for this show at all. Let's start with the guys who are going, who whose season isn't over, right? They're they're they actually just started a new season, um, in the Arizona Fall League. Yeah. So, Arizona Fall League started, I believe it was on. Monday. Right. Was it? It was. It was this week. This week, all the days are kind of rolling together with me this week. But yeah, I believe it was Monday because that that was the day we were supposed to do our show. And I was thinking in my head that you know today would like that's part of the talk. Today's going to start the Arizona yeah. Fall League, and we clearly didn't start it. That's <laughs> when it was. It was Monday. So, so all of the Pirates are on the um the 
Saguaros, I think is how you pronounce it. The Saguaros. Pretty cool looking mascot. Got a little bandana, you know, with the got a little. I'm actually gonna show you. <laughs> oh, guys. you're gonna we're share gonna, it. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna present the screen. Oh, like Here this is go. riveting. Jim's describing a mascot. Yeah. No, I mean it's a cool mascot. Like, look at this guy. Look at him. I dig that it. Little, I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of people, including yourself, that would buy a hat. I would buy a saguaro. I think it's saguaros. My Spanish isn't great, but I think based on the little amount of Spanish teaching that I had, saguaros is how you would pronounce that name. But yeah, they got this little cactus with cowboy hat and a bandana. So, you know, he's a scary looking dude. Um, but uh, their opening day was on Monday and Quinn Priester was the opening day starter for for them. Um, yeah. So and really the whole day, it was kind of like a Pirates. Uh, it, was, it was like a Pirates uh, pitching day. There was they used five pitchers on Monday. Four of them were Pirates. As Anthony says, the guy who tells everyone about this new yes. alarm thinks mascots are boring. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it is boring. I think that's probably been the most riveting thing that we've seen so far today is that mascot. We're talking um, about the 68 pirates that were used this season. So you got a right. point. This probably is the most exciting so far. Yeah. Um, but Priester, he started off good. I think he pitched two scoreless. Or Yeah, he pitched two scoreless to start the, the game. And then he kind of came apart a little bit in the third inning. Um, gave up two runs. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, three runs total. Two earned. Uh, okay, he gave up a run in the first, and then he gave up two in the third. But two earned runs, one run, uh, one run was unearned. He did walk three in those three innings, gave up a home run, uh, struck out three. The home run he gave up to was Parker Meadows. Relation to Austin Meadows, I believe that's his uh brother, right? Uh, his little brother, I think it's the younger brother, yeah. So, Parker Meadows, who Parker has some major league experience, I think. Um, he did wait, he didn't, he didn't actually no, make okay. the majors this year. I thought he did for some reason. With you um, saying but, that, I was thinking of it because I, I thought yeah. I remember a video, but maybe just. Game so of. Parker Meadows with the home run, and this—I'm—I'm uh, I'm telling you, this this team that he faced was pretty stacked. He had, he had that—he had Parker Meadows. He had Jordan Lawler was on that team. Um, Jordan Walker was on that team. Colt Keith was on that team. Zach Veen was on that team. Um, <clears throat> so pretty stacked uh, Salt River Rafters team. Uh, but uh, but yeah. Priester started off, so we'll look to see how he does this this season. Not his best outing uh, to start off the AFL, but uh, Omar Cruz came in in relief, pitched two scoreless innings. Tanaj Thomas came in, gave up three runs in inning and two third. He did give up a home run to Jordan Lawler, um, and then uh, Colin Selby came in and he closed it out, pitched a scoreless ninth inning. So uh, I think Colin Selby is actually somebody to kind of look at. Uh, because if we're talking about people who are, uh, you know, the bullpen this year for the Pirates was obviously not their uh, strong suit, right? Uh, but Colin Selby had a solid season in Altoona, uh, 26 games, he had a 2.20 earned run average, uh, eight saves, 
he struck out 41 batters in 32 innings. And then he had a, a taste at a triple a at the end of the year as well. And he, you know, he pitched three innings there, gave up one run, but uh, definitely someone to kind of keep an eye on uh, like last off season. Gary de Los Santos was kind of that guy that we talked about a little bit. I was just going to, I was waiting for you to pause and ask, yeah. is he this year's Gary de Los Santos? So yeah, so, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So like last year we were, we, we, we were like, let's keep an eye on this Yeri De Los Santos guy. Like he looks pretty good, uh, and because you don't pay too much attention to minor league relievers, like you just right, don't, right. But in the end, like sometimes they turn out to be pretty good. Um, and Colin Selby is, I feel like this year's Yeri De, De Los Santos. So definitely someone to keep an eye on. Um, Thomas kind of fits that bill too, as someone who. You know, you want to kind of keep an eye on. He had a he had a good year at Double A this year. I still don't think Thomas is a guy. Don't know like he's going to be Rule Five eligible. I'm assuming that's they sent him to the AFL to kind of get one more look at him to determine if they want to add him to his, to the 40 man. But we'll have a I'm sure when we talk about <clears throat> we'll have our whole episode where we go through and we do 40 man roster decisions. Sure. And, uh, Thomas is going to be, and Selby, you know, both of these guys are going to be people where they're going to have to decide if they want to expose them to a rule five draft where relievers are usually the people who get picked in those because mm-hmm. they're the easiest people to stow away on a major league roster. Um, so pirates are going to have to decide if, uh, if, if they need to add a couple of these guys. Yeah, no, that's a good point. We'll definitely get into that um later on but uh but you're absolutely correct and like you said it's interesting like with Gary De Los Santos like he was a guy that really probably no one knew talked about and then this year like look in the limited amount of time of course he got injured right in the limited amount of time you saw how important he could Mm -hmm. be for this bullpen going forward so uh yeah something to take note of um yeah and then also as far as from the offensive standpoint the Saguaros have the Pirates 2000 and 20 first round draft pick uh, nick gonzalez is back in the arizona fall league uh and henry davis also in the arizona fall league uh so nice to see davis there uh you know he missed all the time this year with all the the injuries from being hit by pitches all the time which is suitable suiting because his first plate appearance in the arizona fall league hit by a pitch i don't know i don't understand it because i I guess he does crowd the plate a little bit. Like if you watch him, like he, you know, he, he has that open stance and then he kind of dives in. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Like that pitch on Monday, like almost went behind him. Like, I don't know what pitchers are doing. Like they just, I don't know if they're, they're trying to pitch him inside and just because it's the minors, they aren't as good with their command. They just balls get away from them. And so it hit him, they hit him. I would imagine like once you reach the majors and you've got pitchers with, you know, better command, maybe those hit by pitches go down a little bit, but maybe he's just going to be a guy who always gets hit, which is good in one aspect because it means he gets on base, <laughs> but it's also bad in aspect because if those pitches are up and in, you know, then you're dealing with hand stuff. And, and you know, we kind of had to deal with that a lot with Marte. Like how many times did Marte get hit oh, in the hand? Yeah. And we were like, Oh crap. You know, um, Marte so, always get hit by pitches, and that one year Jay Hay got like twenty plus mm-hmm. <laughs> out of nowhere. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, it could just be something that that he's always gonna do. Like, he, 
but you know, you hope that he just kind of protects himself enough that, you know, you don't see any devastating injuries anymore because that's the only thing keeping him off the field right now is just getting hit by pitches. Yeah. It is something to take note. That's why I say, like, you know, there's there's some worry to it. I mean, obviously it hinders your development when you're on the field. Um, but, right, like, is this something that's going to be, like, part of Henry Davis? And I guess what I mean by that is, like, where these couple injuries he had is more fluke. Like, it just – he's got injured, but it's nothing to be concerned of. Like, it don't, won't happen as often going forward. Or it's like every year he's going to hit by a pitch and be out some – at least for a few games or whatnot. I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But, again, like, a good point you're making is, like, Sterling Marte got hit by pitches all the time. For the most of his career, he was always on the field. Although, ironically enough, we're talking about him now. And, well, he's off the field because he – broke his hand getting hit by a pitch by the pirates <laughs> so like yep. these things happen um you're just hoping that like his body can hold up and also ironically enough it's not like this has happened throughout his college career and you would assume like the same issues would be there so again like i'm just hoping a lot of this is more just fluke unluckiness you know in this mm -hmm. time frame that he's gotten hit and like he's been out for this long um but again it's something to definitely take note of but we all know too, yeah. like you know, Anthony Rizzo, very notorious for crowding the plate and such. Like guys like that, they're out there. It doesn't mean you know it's it's necessarily a bad thing. But if he can't hold up and he's always going to get injured every time he gets hit by a pitch, then maybe that's something he does have to worry about is his stance. Yeah, and I mean Anthony brings up the big point here. Like the reason why right. Henry Davis is such a valuable prospect is like the, he has legit power. Like especially for a catcher like the, the guy can the guy can hit the ball hard and far um and the last thing you want out of a power hitter are hand injuries because hand injuries are kind of known just historically to zap your power right so yeah, I mean, hopefully he can avoid. I know right now he's wearing those. Well, that's the thing. He doesn't wear. He doesn't wear batting gloves either. So you get in the hand. <laughs> that's like right. nothing. So. I, I did, you know, you do notice, um, who was it? Uh, Nick Gonzalez, who got hit in the hand last year. Nick Gonzalez this year, if you watched him, you know, not only did he have the, the elbow guard, but he also had a big pad on his hand, on his on his batting glove. So um, Henry Davis, maybe the Pirates are just like, yo, you got to start wearing at least a left-handed batting glove, right, to, to put some sort of padding there. I don't know what they're going to do there, but yeah, you, you hate to see someone with a lot of power potential get hand injuries. It's not, it's not ideal, uh, but the hit, the hit by pitches are going to help his on base percentage. I mean, his on base percentage this year is about 120 points higher <laughs> than his batting average. So the guy, the guy's been great at getting on base all throughout the minors uh, so that, you know, you've got that going for it <laughs> as long as he's not getting hit in the hand. Or the head, yeah. you know, you want to avoid that. Yep, yep. So, uh, I mean, anything? I guess, yeah. Anything before we transition about the Arizona Fall League? You want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, Gonzalez also um, is there. Gonzalez didn't play that first game. Um, he did play on. Uh, I guess it was the next two. Tuesday, 
Yeah, Tuesday, he yesterday. was one for five. Uh, and then yesterday, <clears throat> I wish they broadcasted these games, man. I would, I would love four. I would love for these things. That well, what's crazy is like they have they have video highlights of all this stuff. So I don't know why they don't just stream these things on TV. But they really yesterday, need to. Yeah, they need to. Nick Gonzalez two two hits yesterday. Uh, Henry Davis with a hit yesterday. So Davis with a double. Nick Gonzalez with a triple. So both of them off to pretty good starts. I mean, it's only two games for each, but Nick Gonzalez has an OPS of eight eighty nine. Henry Davis OPS of one thousand one hundred and eleven. So all ones because he was the number one pick. Exactly. But no, it, so Arizona Fall League, always, always a fun league to follow. Um, you know, they play their games in the afternoon mostly. So, you know, you get results early. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, the Pirates have quite a few interesting people there to just keep an eye on uh, because, uh, like I said, especially from the pitching standpoint, there's going to be some 40 man roster decisions that need to be made. Uh, and then on the hitting standpoint, you've got a couple of top, top prospects who just who missed some time this year and you want to just see them get extra at bats. And then they're going to see it against pretty good competition. Yeah, that's why I think it's like really important for, like as, as you mentioned, for Gonzalez and Henry, just because of the amount of time that they've missed, especially this year. Of course, we know Gonzalez missed time last year also. But, you know, with their development, you want to see them get more at bats. And like you said, too, like the one thing about this is it's not necessarily always like the cream of the crop. It's not everyone's best prospects as we're talking relievers right now, but it's certainly <clears throat> typically towards the best, but also the ones that are closest to major league ready. So you're, they're facing a lot of steady competition right now. It's not like they're facing a bunch of single A or double A nobodies, you know, in the regular season. So yeah, I mean, it's, this is important for their development, but they're also facing some pretty good competition right now. Yeah. Um, that's the best part of the Arizona Fall League is is you're you're facing good players, especially mm-hmm. if you're a pitcher. The hitters in the Arizona Fall League are just you you you're not going to see a minor league lineup with anything close to the talent of an Amer of, a, of an Arizona Fall League lineup. So uh, it's going to be a good test for Priester, good test for Selby, good test for Thomas, good set, good test for Cruz. All those guys that that are going. Um, so yeah, good. good Plus to, it's in uh, Arizona. <laughs> Plus, so. it's in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like high elevation. Base. Yeah. So it's a little bit easier to hit there. So, but yeah. I think that's enough for AFL, right? I agree. <clears throat> cool, cool, cool. So, I was going to say, like, what if we maybe transition to, I know we talked about him, but maybe transition talk about like Henry Davis's season so far. Yeah. And so, like, what are your thoughts? Because I think it's fair to say, I know a lot of people are, down let's say down because i know the injuries is part of it it's, it's kind of like the nick gonzalez season last year you know it's like you see the talent he had a he had a really good stretch but it seems like the injury caused a lot of the again the disappointing numbers to put it that way uh he went to double a and it just it, it wasn't it's not what you want from your number one pick uh the guys you're hoping to make the major leagues next year mm-hmm. so i guess what is your takes away from henry davis this year yeah, I think I just want to see him healthy. You know, uh, you know, it came out. You know, he tore up his one month in Greensboro. Just mm-hmm. tore it up. Um, came to Altoona, and it turned out, you know, he got hit by a pitch in Greensboro before being promoted, and he was actually playing his first few games in Altoona with a broken hand. <laughs> so then it's like, 
you can't, I'm not going to judge anybody while they're playing with, with, you know, a fractured hand. Um, and then, you know, coming back, you're just coming back off of a hand injury. I don't know, it's hard to judge those Altoona numbers really at all for me personally, um, just because he was hurt or coming back right back from an injury pretty right. much the entire time. And even, I mean, it, it, and also the sample size just is, I mean, he only played 31 games in Altoona. So uh, not, not a whole lot to really go off of there. Um you know, he, I guess if you want to look at it, like his end of season stretch, like when he came back off of injury, he was, uh, let's see, you know, 114 weighted runs created plus 254, 333, 444. So, you know, a little bit better, you know, than he was right. pre pre injury. Um, still not like mashing, like you'd like him to see, uh, but you know, he was, he was well and well above average you know, a double a hitter during that time period. Um, but he is going to have to, uh, he is going to have to be healthy. Like, I mean, no doubt about it. Like the guy has to stay healthy in some one way or another. Um, and, and I'm not really going to, I'm not going to judge his results really from an injury, but you know, you'd rather obviously see him do well as opposed to perform very average like i am surprised that like he's dropped so much like on some rankings because i don't really think he's well, done anything America especially yeah like yeah. i don't i don't think he's done anything to warrant that you know like there, like nothing he has happened to be like oh he's not the same prospect he was last year like i i don't think i don't think there is anything there but the only thing I can think, I guess, is if there's maybe concerns if he can catch. That would be that would be my thing. But again, but I guess like those concerns have always been there, and I don't think like nothing's really changed this year. Yeah, I mean, he also only caught thirty three games this year, so it's like, how do you even like how can you even judge that really? Right, I'm I'm with you on that. You know, and I, and I said it that, like there certainly are concerns. Like I have them too. I know some people are you know like coming back and saying you know it's just injuries. How, but like the injuries have hindered development. And mm -hmm. the injuries are now a concern to me, you know, because it's been more than just this one time. Yeah. Uh, kind of like with Nick Gonzalez. Like, okay, that's kind of concerning now as you can't stay on the field. So is this going to be a problem? But like you said, for that much of a drop, I don't know how can you really warrant that just just so far. You know, he's he came in and last year he he tore it up, you know, for the short amount of time. When he started the season, he tore it up. Like he goes to double A and he gets injured, and and that's all you really had. And so, like, if it's just the injury, that much of a drop was a bit of a surprise. But regardless, like, I don't look. I mean, I can understand a drop, you know. And there are concerns about Henry Davis with with health. I mean, I, I think that's legit right now, um, because there's a there's a rhyme and a reason for it too. But I'm still hopeful, and that's why I want to say this too. Like, I know a lot of people are going to look at the numbers and say, "Well, Henry Davis went to double A." And when he made the jump, because double A is what separates, you know, basically most of your prospects. When he made that jump, he batted 207. He has a 97 ways way to run creative plus. Henry Davis is a bust. And that's why I say and want to make sure you understand, like, I'm with you. You know, like there was that injury, much like Nick Gonzalez last year. I mean, we're talking about Nick Gonzalez, like he was injured, it was playing bad. But then we look at that final stretch, he just tore it up. And that's when he was like really starting to get healthy. And this year, it's kind of like that same thing with Henry Davis. He was injured, but I'm not, I'm not saying he tore up the same way that Gonzalez tore up last year towards mm -hmm. the end. But 
he was playing much better. So I'm with you in the sense that like I'm still very positive on Henry Davis. Um, still want to see what he's going to do. And I think the Arizona Fall League, he is healthy, better competition. It's going to be more of a like uh, a sample where you're looking at saying like, what is Henry Davis? So that's why I'm excited for him in the, in the Arizona Fall League right now too. But yeah, like I'm not looking at this saying, well, Henry Davis is a 97 weight runs weight run career plus in Double A. Like, guy ain't it. Yeah, it's a bust. Wrong pick. Yeah. And and not everybody's down on him. Like Fangraphs updated rankings still has him 19th overall. Mm-hmm. You know, Fangraphs has him as the number one Pirates prospect in their updated ranking. So, uh, you know, he's he's right there. If you're looking at that draft class, you know, Marcelo Meyer is 17th. And uh, that's it. So where's Lawler? Lawler is he's farther down. He's 45th. Oh, wow. OK, so. Uh, so, so like Fangraph still likes him. Um, Baseball America's down on him. Uh, haven't I don't really look at pipeline just because I don't I don't like pipeline. But um, yeah, I, I, there's still a lot of things to like about him. Like he's still a power hitting, bopping shortstop. There are some concerns about the defense, but we already knew that. Um, but I also think like like he's. He's one of those guys, though, where every every report you hear, like he's going to put in the work to become a better catcher, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just something that he's going to do. Um, his mentality, he 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 wants to be a catcher, and he's gonna he's gonna do what he needs to do to be a catcher. So I, I have all the faith in the world that he can stick a catcher. But if he can't, then you know maybe he's your first baseman of the future. Pirates might need one of those. <laughs> Which the pirates need, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm still very high on Henry Davis. There you go. By the way, Pipeline has him at 19 also. Okay. So it's really just Baseball America. That's that's. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, so interesting. So Henry Davis, still a lot of hope for him. Basically, not unanimous, not like number one overall draft pick last year, not unanimous, Jim, as your Twitter handle suggested. But number one for the Pirates rankings for most sites <laughs> – um, let's move down a little bit. Let's move to the next guy. Uh, I guess maybe you just want to stick with Nikki G since we've been talking about him a little bit already too. Yeah. Um, I, I actually really like what I saw from Nick Gonzalez this year. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like people didn't talk a lot about him, uh, but he really, but, but similar to last year, like he started off a little cold, he got hurt, he came back. And he tore it up. Um, so, I mean, he came back on August 12th to to double A. And so I'll just go back here to August 12th is when he when he rejoined Altoona after his injury. Was it and, the 12th? Yeah. He had a couple of rehab games in oh. Bradenton. So, so from August 12th on, 286 batting average, 408 on base percentage got dude had a 13% walk rate 505 slugging. The important part here, K rate 22.3%, which we've never seen it that low ever in his minor league career. Um, a way to runs created plus of 150 in that time back. So really like what we saw at a Nick Gonzalez post injury. Um, 
So again, another guy that I, I feel like a lot of the national sites are down on, but mm -hmm. I don't know why. Like I said the strikeouts, I, I could see that probably being the main concern there. But if he's a 22 strikeout guy, 22% strikeout guy, instead of the 30 that, you know, he kind of seemed like he was early on in his minor league career. Then you've got something like 22% strikeout rate. We can work with that. Um, and so he, he did, he did really well down the stretch, really excited. I would imagine he starts next year in Indianapolis. And so like, he's knocking on the door. I hope so. Like that's a guy who mm -hmm. you really want to see that too. And yeah. we talked last night too. Like the cool thing about the pirates is the middle infield looking really, really good right now. I mean, next year you're probably going to have Castro Cruz mm -hmm. bays in the mix. So it's not as if like the team's dependent and needing Gonzalez because they have nothing, but, to then add Gonzalez and have that mix of guys, you know, like what depth they have. So let me ask you something about Gonzalez here, because something we talked about last year with him, he was a different player. Like he still performed when he got healthy. We talked about that, but it's like this power came out of nowhere. You know, like Nick Gonzalez was known for his hit tool. This guy's going to hit 300. He's going to, he's going to fight for a batting title one day. Like that was the thing about Nick Gonzalez. And then he was like, no, no, I'm going to bat like 270 and put up like 20 plus homers. And we're like, okay, well, in doing so, like with that profile, because he was striking out more, like, okay, you could live with like the 27, 28% strikeout rate that he was doing in this. Mm -hmm. But like, this isn't Nick Gonzalez. And now he's doing closer now, like you're talking right now, to like what he was known for. Like the strikeout rate is down, the power yeah. is down as well, the on base is up. So, like, is there this different approach that he's doing? That's what I thought of too, because early on the season, that's what I was noticing. Like he was walking a ton. Now at that time, yeah. the batting average wasn't really there. The, like everything else was, you know, not really in line with it is today. But like I wondered too, like heading into this year, if it was like he was changing his approach, he's trying to get on base more, maybe not selling off for power as much, getting back to that old way. Um, so I guess just real quick, maybe like, what's your thought on that? Are we maybe is this maybe the Nick Gonzalez that he's getting back to, or what? I guess time will tell that yeah. we still haven't seen like a big sample size of anything to really determine, you know, will the real Nick Gonzalez please stand up? Like <laughs> I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, the power numbers will, I will say this, like the, the power numbers in Greensboro, I think, you know, Greensboro has been in the pirate system now for what, maybe, four or five years and it's now pretty well known that that ballpark that home ballpark in particular there's just something about it the ball jumps it's uh -huh. the, like home runs are easy to get in greensboro um so i think you know i understand the drop in power going from greensboro to altoona um but yeah, I, I guess I just need to see more before I kind of diagnose who Nick Gonzalez is. Um, I, I think with the upcoming rule changes in Major League Baseball, like I, you you kind of want to see how like I think you could start seeing like the return of the contact hitters, right? Uh, and, and you know because they won't be able to get shifted on anymore. So you know the more balls you put in play, the less likely there is to be a defender there. Uh, so I, I, that's kind of my. Going into next year, I think that's like my biggest storyline that I want to follow is, you know, how how valuable 
going forward is putting the ball in play going to be. Uh, so, you know, if you can change that approach so that you're not necessarily selling out for power, instead, you're just trying to hit the ball hard somewhere line drives all over the field, you know, is that going to make you a really productive major leaguer? That's I'm, I'm excited to kind of see that in, you know, you and Tyler talked about Kevin Newman for a second last night. And that's the reason why I'm a little bit intrigued about like keeping Kevin Newman for next year, because it's like, do the Kevin Newman's of the world gain value now? Uh, whereas before they didn't, because now when Kevin Newman puts a ball in play, less likely a chance that there's a defender there. So yeah, I, I, I kind of, I guess I just need to see more out of Gonzalez though. So, you know, give me, give me, give me Indianapolis. Um, and Hey, if he's, if he's doing in Indianapolis, what he did, how he finished double a, then, you know, Nick Gonzalez is going to be someone who is forcing the pirates to add them, add him to their roster, you know, in the middle of next year. Yeah. I mean, hell right. Like, However he does it, like if it's by power or doing whatever, if this dude's got a 150 way run career plus, like take however he, however he brings it. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, yeah, however you do it, I'm cool with it. <laughs> right. Um, but I, yeah, I, I guess I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure who he is yet. Yeah, feel that. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, let's move on here. Then we'll go to some. Who do I want to talk about next? Do you want to talk about? Well, we want to talk about the best player in the system. <laughs> so I, I feel like we've talked a lot about Henry Davis. Right, with the Arizona Fall League, and but really, this should be like the Andy Rodriguez show because you're absolutely correct. You know, we talked about that Henry Davis, who's number one on the, on the prospect list for many sites, he was number one pick. But as Anthony mentioned, talk about Pirates prospects. You know, they Pirate prospect of the year they mentioned is is Andy Rodriguez, and it was very warranted. And talk about a, a this riser. I'm not gonna say he came from nowhere. We've known him to the Joe Musgrove trade. There was some intrigue, you know, coming from the Mets. Um, but we had a COVID year. He was young, so he didn't really. Like, there was nothing behind him to say this is Andy Rodriguez. So last year he put on a little bit of a show, and I, I feel like this year, like it just was amazing. He played in three levels, and like in every level that he went up, he got better. <laughs> that that doesn't happen. He got better every time he got promoted. So Andy. Rodriguez. God. Let's talk I, about a season and like what his future is. I I'm having a hard time remembering a Pirates hitting prospect that had a better year than Andy Rodriguez. Let's um, rewind. Remember <laughs> I mean, Tyler brought this up. He was like, when was the last time like a Pirates prospect like actually tore through the minors? Right? I mean, he talked about it. It was, it was kind of true. You know, like no one – it's been a while since one just dominated. Andy's dominating. I mean, I'm looking at like the biggest prospect hitting-wise the Pirates have had in the last decade, right, was Gregory Polanco. Right. And Polanco never did anything All like right. this. You just ruined the show. <laughs> I'm talking about like just from a prospect standpoint. No, right? like, I get it. Yeah, but like, we're talking Andy and you brought I know, Polanco. I know. And now everyone's saying the F word. <laughs> but, 
But uh, Polanco never did anything like this before. Um, there's another one of your alarms. That's the um, one I sleep through. <laughs> going back to like like Andrew McCutcheon put up some pretty good minor league numbers at a really young age, and he still never did anything like this before. Like Andrew McCutcheon did not. St- you know, Andrew McCutcheon put up a 145 in his first taste, 145 weighted runs, weighted runs created plus in, in Altoona his first year there, which, you know, was pretty good. Um, Andy Rodriguez put up a 199 weighted runs created plus in Altoona. So, like, just absolutely insane. Um, you know, and Anthony says here in the comments, Starling Marte was pretty good. But, like, I also can't remember Marte doing this ever i'll look it up um once once again i think like where we're getting at you're talking about polanco kutch Marte. you know we're talking about a decade plus ago best prospects we've had like in right while and that's just what i'm getting at like this is just amazing what andy's doing right now and I'm not mm-hmm. out here to say like we're not saying this too like well he's clearly going to be better than Marte and and no, that's not what we're such, saying right yeah. but like what we're getting at is he's doing well well and above what those guys are even doing you know like in the past decade like no Pirates prospect has hit anywhere near what he's doing right now um, so I'm just I'm excited now you know and I, I wasn't like I was poo pooing his season right but I know. At the time when he was just in in a ball doing what he was doing, uh, there was a lot of chatter his season, like Andy, Andy, Andy. And I was just like, mm-hmm. let's pump the brakes a little. Like he is still in a ball. The sample is still in comparison small. Like let's relax. But now that like I've seen him doing this in double A, and again, this the sample size in triple A is just six games, like whatever. But still, like he goes to triple A and it doesn't stop. Like he batted four fifty five in those six games. Uh, yeah. Okay, you know what? I'm on high alert right now. Um, I'm intrigued because this dude, he does everything. And like, what really impresses me too is not the hitting. You keep going back to Varsho. Like, what he presents defensively. He can play catcher. He can play outfield. He can play second base. It's just like, damn. Because think about the, the idea of there is already Henry Davis who's going to be a catcher. And you have Andy Rodriguez. And Andy can play elsewhere. So it's like you actually have two full-time players by having two catchers. Mm-hmm. Like what value he presents by doing that. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've been kind of throwing out the Dalton Varsho thing for like a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you look at Dalton Varsho's who, by the way, Dalton Varsho broke out this year. 4.6 war season this year for Dalton yes. Varsho. Um, but uh, Dalton Varsho, listen to this positional breakdown this season. Uh, 71 games in right field, 54 games in center field, 31 games at catcher, right? It's just an incredibly unique player that you, know, you don't see guys who play both catcher and center field. <laughs> you know, that's like doesn't that doesn't happen so it's a it's a unique skill set that makes him extremely valuable um and then you add in the fact that that he can hit like a he can hit like a corner outfielder right and he can play there but he can also catch um i 
I don't know if I've been this excited really. Like I'm, I'm pretty excited about Indy Rodriguez right now. And, and he's going to kind of be that guy where, and, and you just know, like I already, I'm already setting myself up for disappointment. Yes. He's not going to be on the major league roster starting next year, but you know how we know that. Because he didn't get to play in the last series. Right. (laughs) Because the Pirates learned the lesson. But, like, you're not going to convince me that there's going to be a person in this organization who's better suited to be the opening day catcher than Andy Rodriguez, right? Um, the He just absolutely killed it this year. Everywhere he was at, didn't miss a beat. Um, and, and, and like we just mentioned, like, we haven't seen a Pirates hitting prospect do this in a long time, really long time. Um, maybe ever, to be honest with you. Like I was even going back, like, I don't think anybody's done this in the two thousands. Uh, I don't think. And, and even what before did that, Wagner do? <laughs> right. And, <laughs> you know, like I, I even went back to like Chad Hermanson, right. Chad Hermanson never, Chad Hermanson never did this. Um, so yeah, like I'm excited. I, I want to see him. Um, so his season also not over. He was uh, he was drafted last year in the draft for Leadom, uh, so he is on uh, the Estrellas Orientales of the Dominican uh, Winter League. Hope I said that right. Um, but uh, the from from what I was told, John Drecker uh, on Twitter said that. Like Endy is supposed to play in Leadom this year. So the one thing to watch with Leadom is like those teams are it's not like the Arizona Fall League where it's controlled by Major League Baseball. Yeah. And everybody gets to play and you know we need to see who these guys do. Leadom is a completely independent organization. Those teams, they don't care about the development of your of your minor league prospects, right? Those teams want to win. <laughs> like those, their their sole focus is to win that league. Um, so sometimes you see young guys kind of get brushed to the side for for older veteran players. Like they they will play the player who is playing best, right? So uh, hopefully, Andy gets some playing time early on in the season. He's performing like he has throughout the course of the year. And if he is, then we will see a lot of Andy Rodriguez in the Dominican this winter. Um, and those games actually are on TV, so mm-hmm. which is a huge improvement because I think they started that last year. Um, so Andy will be playing. O'Neill Cruz also confirmed to be playing there as well. So there's going to be fun, some fun stuff going on there. And that'll also be really good competition for Andy, who like typically the, the competition there is going to be better than what he's seen in the minors pitching lead on pitching is sometimes a little weird. Like you'll, it's a hodgepodge of uh, like minor leaguers trying to make rosters, relief pitchers looking for innings every now and then. And then you'll have like Bartolo Colon, who's like 48 years old and throwing 82 miles an hour. Right. So it's a weird hodgepodge of pitchers in in lead on, but um, definitely interested to seeing how, see how he does there. Excited for spring training, not excited to be let down. 
when he gets cut from the roster um, for no other reason than service time manipulation. Like I'm already mm-hmm. just prepping myself for it. Like it's going to oh, happen. Yeah. <clears throat> it's and, happening. Like I'm already frustrated talking about it. <laughs> well, then let's stop talking about that. But yes, like again, uh, I am very intrigued by him. And again, like all that he presents. I want to make this comparison in that sense. <clears throat> you bring up Varsho, and this is going to be a silly comparison, but understand why I'm t- talking about it. We bring up the value in Shohei. Like you can't like measure it because we've never seen it before. Like what we understand what he does, but like how do you quantify the value of one person that can do like the multiple things? Like he's a pitcher and he's a he's a hitter. And it's just one person. So, like, the value in that for the roster construction is huge. And, like, that's kind of like what Andy presents in the sense of you need two catchers on the roster. Like, you need a backup catcher and, and your starting catcher, right? So, like, what if your backup catcher is potentially as good of a hitter as your starting catcher and but he also is a utility player? Like, you're, you're taking two positions in one, so therefore you might be able to carry something else, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's what – the value of Andy presents is like not only is he a good player, but he's all this in just one, and it helps you like construct. Like maybe you can carry an extra lefty on the bench, you know? What I mean, like for something else, or a, an extra platoon guy. Like maybe you can go and get a put. Maybe first base becomes a platoon because Andy is everything else. So like that's the value, and like I think what's e- even more exciting about Andy is it's like what he can provide. Ben Charrington has a great toy at his disposal if he wants to compete and build this roster because Andy can play second outfield and he's your backup catcher. So like it gives you so much flexibility in how you want to construct the roster, but it's not like, it's not like you're going to Francisco Cervelli and then well now Stewart's there on Sunday. So he's a good defensively, but you know, as a lost bat, it's like, no, it's still Andy Rodriguez. Like you have a great bats in your lineup every single day at the catcher position. <clears throat> yeah. That's what's really exciting about him too. You're, you're right. I mean, that, that's exactly, exactly right. And, and like, you, you know, comparing it to Otani is, is one thing. Otani is doing two completely different positions. So, but like you go back to, to Varsho, right. And like the fact that he's so like, 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 you, like it's valuable to be like, maybe I don't even need to carry a shitty catcher on my team because right. you I can start Andy at catcher two days a week. I can start him in, the outfield three days a week and then i can start him at dh one day a week so like you're doing all these things where um you know you have a backup catcher on your team but at the same time he's playing other positions and like you mentioned that that the super valuable part of that is is it's one more other person that you can have on your roster who can provide value somewhere else that you wouldn't have been able to keep before and, and Anthony brings up a good point here. Like you don't want to waste those rosters on John, Josh fan meters. You want to waste those ro- You want to use those roster spots responsibly and intelligently um, to address areas that, you know, you need help in. Um, if you, if you need help against, Hey, I need, I need someone who can play first base that can hit left-handed pitchers. Right. And it's like, I, you know, you went out there and maybe you get a, a left-handed first baseman, but he struggles against lefties. Like without someone like Andy Rodriguez on your team, you may not be able to go and get that guy. Right. But with Andy Rodriguez on your team, it opens up that extra spot. And right. now you can maybe go and get that guy who 
you know, hits lefties, plays first, really nothing else. But like he has a specialty that you need that you wouldn't have been able to fit on your roster otherwise. So that's a good point. Yeah. And again, like the reason I said Shohei is because I think a lot of people listening to this probably don't even know who Varsho is. And that's why. And like I said, it's a stupid comparison, but the idea of it is what he presents. And, and right, like, so to go back to Varsho, if I were to tell you your backup catcher is a five war player, that, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. It's not just a guy who supplements and because we understand the catching position is bad itself. A lot of starting catchers are just bad. I mean, Houston has like the second worst catching in baseball. A lot of starting catching is bad. Yeah. Your backup's now a five war player. <laughs> So, yeah. right. Um, but anyways, yeah, like that, the fact of having Henry Davis and Andy coming up basically like almost at the same time too. Mm-hmm. Like this is just, that's why I'm excited for next year. And of course, 2024 with AR. Um, and we understand now because of the DH and, and the NL too, you know, like days off, like, like Henry Davis can take a day off and be at first base to preserve him. You can, you know, you, like your backup catcher, you can feel <clears throat> comfortable with starting more. Like maybe you just, maybe Davis just starts, four games a week. That's it. And DH is because you can take the drop off. If there even is one at catcher with Mm -hmm. your backup, you know? So like to preserve Henry Davis, again, the value in there, like um, this is, this is great. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I, I'm very excited for him. I'm very excited to see how they use him. Cause he, like, like you said, just a super valuable, skill set that he possesses and on top of that like anthony brings up he's a switch hitter so yeah he does all that and he and he's a switch hitter so it's like you don't even need to when does he pitch (laughs) (laughs) right so i'm so excited because like the season that he put up was just it was incredible incredible season it was he walks doesn't strike out a ton he's got power like he just he does it all yeah the only thing he doesn't do is like steal 20 bases that's it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, man, we're, we're kind of coming up on an hour here, but I feel like we're going to part two next we week. We haven't really talked about any sort of pitching, so maybe we'll just save pitchers for another episode. Let's but, um, you know, before we kind of leave, you know, we talked about a lot of the, the, the high, the high top prospect guys, but, um, trying to think if there's anything like who was you know, the biggest under... disappointment for you Ugh, biggest disappointment you know it was probably especially after coming off of last season like you you had some excitement about somebody coming out of nowhere and then you know you see a full season and it just wasn't there at all and that's nope. matt frazier so mm-hmm. like matt frazier probably the biggest disappointment because he he just crushed the ball in Greensboro last year, um, went to Altoona and also performed really well uh, this year. Though full season in Altoona, he hit two nineteen, two eighty four on base percentage, three thirty three slugging, sixty nine weighted runs created plus, and and you also got to think he's twenty four. So you do that twenty four in Double A, like he kind of loses his prospect status at this point. That's my guy too. And and I'm with you. You know, we talked about him quite a bit last year because it was a lot of the, well, is this for real? Because he was a 23 year old in high at the time. 
you know, and it was like, a, well, is this for real? But with those numbers, just how how great they were, you have to kind of mm-hmm. believe in it. And then he went to double A, and it's like, all right, well, he's still kind of doing the thing here in double A, you know. I'm with you. You know, it, it's not as if I believed yeah. in Matt Frazier to be like he's going to be like your everyday right fielder. But there was like a hmm, maybe there's something here. Now 69 way to runs created plus in double A is a 24 year old. I'm with you. Like that was my dis- most disappointing because like he could have provided some depth, definitely some pop. But that's mm-hmm. the thing too. Like you saw the you saw the power. You thought the power was legit. I mean, the 20 home runs he put up in 75 games at high A. I know it dropped off when he went to double A last year, but then yeah, this whole season he had six home runs. Yeah. So seems like maybe that was pretty pretty fluky. <laughs> somehow or another yeah um, but yeah like that's it's not good and i know mm-hmm. maybe it was just a bad year you know like i'm not completely running him off like he did have something beforehand so i guess like next year i'm sure he's going to start in double a probably or if it's going to be indie or whatever but it's like maybe an outside shot maybe it comes recoups and you know comes back but yeah like i just feel like you can't bank on fraser at all at this point in time yeah Anthony's also naming all the other guys who would be on my list. Pagaro took a step back this year, mm-hmm. still really young, but like he did not perform the way you'd like to see him perform in double A. And then the other guy too, Lonnie white, like Lonnie white is now he's going to be entering his age 20 season next year. And he had seven plate appearances in the complex league this year. So, yeah. you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to be seeing low a Bradenton for the first time at age 20. Um, so, you know, it just kind of loses your prospect shine when that's the case. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, people who I was, um, you know, surprised by and like happy to see perform. Um, I personally wasn't huge on Bubba Chandler. Okay. And, and, and he showed me a lot, especially from the pitching standpoint. Um, like I, I, the stuff is great. Struck out a bunch of people. The command, obviously still a big, big issue. He walks a lot of people. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's doing two different things. So he's getting a little bit less time developing, you know, at both ends. So I think he's going to kind of just be one of those people who is a little slower to develop. Uh, the one thing I was a little bit happy about was his bat played well, you know, in, in the complex league. Um, Cause I didn't really think much of him as a hitter. Uh, it wasn't great in Bradenton, but it also wasn't to a point where you are like, we got to give up on this guy. Right. So, so definitely want to see more out of Bubba, Bubba Chandler, but another guy I wanted to bring up um, from a hitting standpoint, Dario Lopez. That's where um, you're going. <laughs> Dario, yeah, Dario Lopez, um, age 20 season in Greensboro, uh, 286, 329, 476, 19 homers, 116 weighted runs created plus. Something happened to him at the end of the season, though, where, and, and I mean, he, he missed some games. So, uh, you know, there was an injury, but power just kind of zapped away from him at the end of the year. He didn't hit a single home run past August 3rd. So 19 homers up to August 3rd, and he didn't hit another one after that. Um, so there was something there, I would imagine. Um, but I want to see a lot more of Dario Lopez. I think 
I think, uh, you know, he could be one of those potential, um, you know, I want, I want to see him in double a double a at age 21. Let's see what he can do. That's going to kind of be like, okay, is Dario Lopez a real prospect or not? Right. Um, is if he can perform a double a cause so far, so good out of him. The power looks, the power looks interesting. Yeah, that's one of those like pleasant surprise. We'll be talking about like the this rebuild is going to need some of those players that you're not expecting that kind of come up and just become a thing. And it does have to be a great everyday player, but something productive. Um, yeah. So I, I want to point out you talked about the power up until August third. He had a five eleven slugging at that point. Like yeah, it was it was legit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, he was certainly one of the guys that kind of creeped up. It's like all right, you know, paying attention a little more to him. Um, obviously at third base. This isn't like any shade or slight to like Cabrian Hayes, right? The dude's a dude, but mm-hmm. you know there is a guy coming up who has like actual power, you know. And that wasn't like really Cabrian's calling card per se, but there's a third base coming up who shows and demonstrates some power behind him as well. Um, but yeah, and back to Bubba Chandler, I, I think much like with Lonnie White, like what. What's disappointing with Lonnie White is the fact that, for the same reason with Bubba Chandler, both of them were multi-sport guys. It's not as if they had a focus on baseball for their young amateur careers. So there's probably going to be a little bit longer developments, right? They're they're full-time baseball players. Um, But then, yeah, with Bubba, it's on top of that. He's doing both things. So, yeah, like you expect Bubba to be a little bit slower as far as development goes. Um, I'm with you. The, the pitching was kind of surprising. He looked pretty good out there. The bat isn't terrible. Um, I think Tyler was probably the most down on his bat. He's just like, the dude's not a hitter. Uh, mm-hmm. And it might be, but like you said, it's not terrible enough at this point that you're just going to give up on this project because we see with Shohei, like what a two-way player can present. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Bubba Chandler, solid year. But with Lonnie White, you you want development from him. And missing yeah. out this whole season, it's not too good. Not to say it's not gonna like he's not gonna become something, but he needs the development time. Yeah. Mason Martin, I think you can also throw in the disappointment category. Is he disappointing though? Or right, we we none of us really expected a lot out of Mason Martin just because of the the massive strikeout numbers, but you did kind of hope that he could be somewhat serviceable you know, as a major league first baseman, but he struggled quite a bit in triple a. And so, right. Yeah. I think he's another guy you can kind of stick a fork in. I feel like I'm more disappointed in Frazier because I think Frazier maybe has something. And like what they're saying, I don't think we really believed in Mason Martin. I think this year just kind of showed why not (laughs) he's not someone to count on for like your first base uh and and again like i mean you wanted to see it just didn't believe in it and yeah like he just struggled in triple a and i think right we're at the point now where we know he's probably definitely not a major leaguer which then therefore opens up this glaring 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 hole first base that's still there as the pirates ended with negative three war on the season at the position yeah matt gorski another another nice surprise so it, it's going to be interesting like those it's that 2019 draft class it's just they're so weird to judge because they had the covid year and and so you kind of just like forget about them 
But Gorski, Triolo, both put up solid seasons in Altoona. Both of them need to be put on the 40-man this year if they want to avoid a roll five draft. And and I feel like, you know, Triolo maybe not, but but like I think Gorski's I'm somewhat interested there in that he could provide some sort of value, but I, I I'm surprised they didn't send Gorski actually to Arizona, to be honest. Do you, do you think maybe that just also plays into the fact that the Pirates don't truly believe in it? Could be. I, I don't want to hate on Gorski. I don't want to sound like a hater, but this is where – I guess this is where when people want to hype up players yeah, because of numbers, which there's some people that like to hype up every player. Now, keep in mind, like, Gorski also has the pedigree. Like, he was the second round. He was a second-round pick. He was 57th overall. Like, it's not like he came out of nowhere. Like, he's a second-round pick. He is a second-round pick, but he also never produced when he was, like, age-appropriate. But that's – hold on. He's never been – like, that 2019 draft class got screwed. Like, they got screwed. He didn't play a full season of minor league baseball until he was 23. I get that. I, so, like, you know? I, I kind of get so. that. But as a 21-year-old in 2019, as a 21-year-old in low A, 96-way run for place. But, okay, it's your first season in pro ball, league average, yeah. right? And then in 2021, the COVID season's over. As a 23-year-old in high A, he had a, an 89-way run for plus, and that's in 95 games. Mm-hmm. And then this year, like, it just came out of nowhere as a 24-year-old in A ball. High A, yeah. You know, like, that's kind of, like, what I'm getting at. But then he also did I understand he did in double A too. So but we're also talking about that's also a launch pad. I, I I'm just I, I guess where I'm getting at is what happened to Matt Frazier. I'm I'm I feel more and if he proves me wrong, he proves me wrong, but I feel more of like he probably will end up towards the Matt Frazier path than I don't know even like who like the Garrett the Garrett Jones path if you want to say in that sense you know, um, I don't know if I truly believe in Gorski to hype him oh, up to think no, of I, like I okay Matt Gorski's got legit legit power, and he can be on the Pirates radar for next year. I don't think he's a guy you add to the forty man. But that's a great way of putting it. Where but, I think a lot of people will be like you have to. I'm I'm okay losing a Matt Gorski. If someone wants to draft them, yeah, I'm not. I'm probably not putting him on the forty man. Like unless there's just a glare. Like unless there's obvious room for him. Um, but I don't know. He 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 perked my interest a little bit more because I said that, that the draft class itself just. I, I kind of feel bad for him because they just they got screwed. So I mean, they did. Yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is, but. I mean, without that COVID season, does this happen two years ago? You know, you don't, you don't know. I mean, you miss out on a whole season. It's just, it's hard to, hard to kind of comp, compute. But no, I'm, um, he at least got back on my radar, right? Uh, and that's why I'm kind of surprised they didn't send him to Arizona, just because like they do need to make a decision on him. But maybe they sent him there because maybe they didn't send him there because they know they're not going to put him on the 40 man and they didn't want to expose him to anybody, you know, because that's a good point. All the Arizona Fall League is is just a bunch of scouts. Yeah. So they already made that decision. They don't want to say, hey, yeah. draft him. <laughs> and right. here's why. 
but I don't know. Like, I just wanted to get that across and just talk a little bit. I understand the season he had, and it was great. And yeah, it piques your interest, but I'm just not buying it as I think there's certainly people out there that are in the way that they are. That's all. Fair. Okay. Fair assessment. Um, right. As far as hitters go, I know it's 820 right now. Um, yeah. Any last minute people want to bring up, mention, talk about? Nah. We didn't talk about Tamar Johnson, but he also did play a ton. Right. And I'm okay not talking about. I guess just for one last person that happened to trade, Malcolm Nunez, just to lightly talk about him because he deserves a lightly talk about. Uh, I know we were worried about like how legit the power was. Is he a platoon guy? He did come over in the trade. He did pretty much like he, he played well. He played um, better in Altoona than he had in St. Louis. Yeah, right. I, I will say that I I am maybe a little more intrigued by him than I think I was at the trade. That's where I'll keep it at. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he's still like a first baseman slash DH, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, like how like there's not a ton of upside there, but he. At age twenty one, too, like he's young, mm-hmm. he really he he he's already in AAA at age twenty one. So there's there's definite there's definitely talent there. You don't get the AAA at age twenty one unless you're talented. Well, you don't. Marcano did. <laughs> I mean, Marcano has talent. Marcano he has me. talent. Yeah, I, mean, I understand. Yeah. He has talent. No. I, I get that. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm with you. I'm I'm a little more intrigued. That's all I'm going to get at. I still want to see more. I understand, but I'm a little more intrigued at this point. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Then we'll all end right. it there. Yeah. So I guess with that said, we'll have Starbucks again to talk about the pitchers. Hopefully, we'll get on the first try, which would be Monday. <laughs> I should be good on Monday. I'm I'm out of town all next week, though. Of course you are. Well, glad we don't have any post-game shows to do anymore. Right. (laughs) So I guess with that said, we will see you again next week for another case of Starbucks. So bye-bye. See you guys.